Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 35. Our skill topic for the week is sticking. Oh, yeah, not, not not the knife fight kind of sticking. I'm talking about sticking like adhesive, like like a, like sticking things together. Oh yeah, yeah, that's gotta be that's gotta be up there. What skill class is that, PJ? Uh, sticking is a uh, skill class level one. Oh, it's a class one skill. Yeah, I mean it for for of course one looks like a stick. Oh yeah, well, that makes sense. I feel like it should be a two, at least a two, because then it like takes two things to stick together. You can't stick one thing together. Yeah, number two sticky. Well, that's that's number two is sticky. <laughs> that's true, but you really only need a single stick for it to be a stick. You know, I mean, anyway, anyway. Well, even um, even half a stick is still kind of sticky. Uh, if it's like a fresh, like fresh off the tree and it's got sap coming out of it. Yeah, you're right, Tanda. Half a stick would be sticky. It's very sappy. Uh, I, I agree with you there. What Tanda, Stick-like. A hundred percent. Yeah. Tanda, what kind of research did you do on sticking? Well, the research I did on sticking was uh, a couple of little tidbits. Uh, in 1953, Soviet scientists showed that triboluminescence caused by peeling a roll of an unidentified Scotch brand tape in a vacuum can produce x-rays. And in 2008, American scientists performed an experiment that showed the x-rays can be strong enough to leave an x-ray image of a finger on photographic paper from just pulling Scotch tape off the roll. What? What? So that's a oh, perfect response. <laughs> And almost in unison. And then the other thing I... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Scotch tape makes x-rays. Yeah, look it up. It's it's radioactive. I'm on it. I'm on it. Scotch tape is radioactive. Well, no, you, you, pull, you pull it off and, the, and it creates the x-rays by the, the like adhesion coming off the roll. It creates triboluminescence. So are you talking about like, like when you're welding and the welding creates ultraviolet light, but it's yeah. not... Well, okay, so it's like that, but what's? I mean, it's X-rays, so it's beyond ultraviolet light. But how is it yeah. making? Th- okay, uh, all right, we're, we're just going to chalk that one up to alien technology and just move on. Um, w- what else did you find, Tanda? Uh, the, the Borden Company was, uh, of course, a dairy company. Uh, hold on, hold on, Tanda, Tanda, sidebar. Yeah, yeah, you just gave him scotch tape x-rays and he goes what else did you find i just i got i mean is that not enough oh no is that not enough oh no this tops that any day of the week okay i mean this is insane wait till you hear this all right all right well he's coming back hey tom sidebar yeah 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 i don't believe that about the x-ray tape for a second tanda's pulling our no, leg I mean, he, that's not real Who, who's nobody's I, handing out radioactive rolls of scotch tape it's a no, I'm with you. I it's I it smells funny to me too. It smells like number two, which is I think what I don't want to go back to our skill topic, but or our skill classification. I don't think she did uh, any research. I think she's just making this all up. Uh, yeah. Oh, hey, she's, she's, coming, she's, back. Coming, she's coming, back. coming back. Come back, come back. Tanda, what what did, what else did you find? Oh, the other thing I found was that you know the Borden Company because they were a dairy company. They had milk, and uh, and as you know, if you add if you add vinegar to milk, you get a little bit of the protein precipitant out of it casein and uh, that makes a good glue and so they started making glue as well because there was kind of this uh, rash of tuberculosis back in the day and they were one of the first companies to start pasteurizing milk they wanted to put a a good face to it and something positive and so they created Elsie the cow and then later Elsie and Elmer got married and then uh, the little known fact is that the they had uh, they had a few children over the years. They had uh, Beulah and Beauregard in 1948, and then they added two twins, Larrabee and Lobely. Lobely? I don't know how to say this. L o b e l i a. Lobelia. Lobelia. Maybe. Tanda, what do these kids have to do? What what is this? What does this have to do with glue? They all avoided getting turned into glue. They just milk, you know. Like if you take a if you take a cup of milk and you put some vinegar in it, 
and then you take those little curds that form, that, that's glue. This is true. Mix one cup of milk and quarter cup of vinegar. Let the mixture sit for 10-15 minutes. The milk will separate. Small pieces of a white solid will form. This white solid is some of the proteins in milk, casein, and will end up becoming the glue. Elmer's glue? Tom's a, Tom's a good Googler. Uh, yes, Tom. You gotta give him You gotta give him that. I Googled the thing about x-rays, and it's, it's real. And there's an x-ray of the guy's finger, and it's fantastic. Yeah, well, okay. Once again, Tom, you proved you can read what's what's on the internet. Thank, thank you. That's a, that's, well, that. I had it read it to me in my other earbud, so you guys can't hear. What did you find this week, PJ? So uh, I found some interesting stuff. I was apparently misinformed about the origin of superglue. For, for years and years, uh, I don't know where I heard it from, but somebody said that it was an English doctor had invented superglue to glue in new, like, fake teeth. Like when somebody lost a tooth, they were trying to find an adhesive to glue a tooth back in that would stick, and that that's where superglue came from, and that was apparently, like, totally fabricated. Like, that's not true at all. Uh, superglue was invented by accident twice. So if you believe that. Uh, this guy named Dr. Harry Coover uh, discovered it in 1942 while he was attempting to make a clear plastic uh, for gun sights to be used in World War II for Allied soldiers. And instead of making clear plastic for gun sights, he made super glue. That was like, that was like he, he was going through all these different like formulations and that was the thing that he found. And then be, he he like realized that there was like a commercial you know potential for it, but then he got distracted and forgot about it. And then he didn't remember until nine years later in 1951 when he was working at Eastman Kodak, and uh, he was a project supervisor and he was looking for a heat resistant polymer for jet canopies. And then he accidentally rediscovered his super glue formula. So it's like like. It was like, you know, nine years go by. I'm like, oh, yeah, I made this thing. Uh, I'll probably use that now. If you're trying to make gun sights and you accidentally make super glue, that adds a whole new meaning to cheek weld. Yes, it was. Uh, it was manufactured. Uh, the cyanoacrylate was manufactured by Kodak under the poorly named Eastman 910. That was the name of the glue, which I guess didn't sit too well. And then uh, later on, it was it was rebranded. Um, it was licensed to Loctite, and uh, Loctite uh, named it a Quickset 404. I don't know. All these people were the numbers. Uh, there was a later version where it was called Superbonder and Permabond, and then eventually it was named Superglue, much, much later into the 80s. What about Crazy Glue? That's got to be in there somewhere. That's in there somewhere, but I think that was, again, in the 80s. And uh, Dr. Coover was uh, actually used super glue in the Vietnam War uh, to help close wounded soldiers' wounds, um, bef- you know, while they were being transported to the hospital to get stitches. So, and, and that is still used in some hospitals today. They still use super glue. I found a couple of interesting facts about super glue, which I had no idea. This is some cool stuff. If you put enough super glue on cotton or wool, it will create a rapid chemical reaction that is hot enough to start a fire. I don't understand that superstition. Can you explain it to me? Th- th- this isn't the superstition section, Tom. This is the fun facts. This oh, you delivered it just like a superstition. I'm sorry, I was confused. Oh man, I was av- I was avoiding all of these things. You've you've got to clarify that if you're giving us tips, and and we're avoiding them because we think it's going to bring doom and disaster to us. Then that's that's a problem. Okay, to be clear, I, I'm reading bonus facts, mm. not superstitions. Okay, these are these are actual things that like you can do at home. You know, it started with if you, and then there was a problem, and like it just sounded exactly like a superstition. I'm sorry. <sighs> okay, okay, I'll try to read it a little more seriously. If you put super glue on your finger. <laughs> <laughs> if you put too much super glue on your finger, you can actually burn your finger the same way because as it dries, it creates heat. So a ah. little bit, it's okay. Too much, you burn your finger and you can't get it off. Super glue really is super. One square inch of bonded super glue can hold a ton, like 2,000 pounds. And uh, they tested this by bonding it to a small surface area of a piece of metal 
which was then attached to a crane, which was then glued to a car. And they lifted the car off the ground. Now, they didn't say that the car was a ton, but it worked. Interesting side-related fact, uh, Coover didn't just invent superglue. He held patents on 460 other inventions. This, this guy was like a certifiable genius. Wow. And another thing I didn't know, uh, the reason that superglue adheres to things almost instantly is because it comes in contact with the hydroxyl ions in water. And because there is moisture in the atmosphere, usually that is enough to make something stick. But apparently if you want something to stick faster, you can wet it. And if you wet one side and put super glue on the other side, it will apparently make it glue quicker, which seems like completely the opposite. Usually if you add water, it goes slower. So you're saying those those things of activator are just, are just spray bottles of water? Water. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that. That's prob- probably not, yeah. Not saying that, but um, but yeah, probably it's probably just water. They're 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 just it's it's like you know it's like that designer water they put in the nice bottles. It's the same thing. So there was that. That was the end of the super glue stuff. I did a bunch of other um, glue research, which Tanda covered some of, but I'm going to cover just one thing which I found interesting because I didn't know existed. There is now um, nano glue. You guys heard about this? Oh yeah, if you break your nano, it's. Something you definitely want to get fixed. iPod Nano? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, so there's a brand new adhesive technology that is based on the adhesive pads of geckos. The way that they are able to stick to things is called contact adhesion. And it is a molecular adhesion that they are now replicating artificially, which doesn't actually contain any kind of glue. It's like the way that molecules are arranged, or I don't really understand it, but basically it's the next level of adhesives where you can just stick things to other things without glue. It's, I don't don't know, but I found it interesting that they're making something sticky based on uh, a lizard. So that was it. That was that was my research. Um, what about you, Tom? What'd you find? Well, as as usual, uh, the topic was miscommunicated to me, and I did I did three hours of research on adhesions, not on adhesives. Um, so I got a lot of stuff on you know scar tissue and things like that. So let me just think real quick. I'll come up with something. You know, if you wanted to glue dentures back in, I think you should use uh, sandcastle worm, you know, glue. Worm glue? Yeah, yeah, based on the same principle as the sandcastle worm. Versus horse glue? Because horse have really big teeth. I thought you'd use horse glue. Yeah, maybe. I was just reflecting on Mm. what PJ said about thinking super glue was invented by a dentist trying to stick stuff in people's mouth. I mean, that's what somebody told me. I mean, I didn't know. It sounded right. I mean, people's teeth fall out. You need to remember when Tom tells you things. It may not be true. All right, fine. It was Tom. I didn't want to. I didn't want to call him out, but you know, he, he did tell me it was a dentist, and it sounded like true. I, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I, I'm still here, guys. I was just doing some research oh, real quick. I thought were you, you were frozen. What were you talking about? What were you talking about? You. Oh, okay. Well, great. I hope you said good things. Uh, so uh, here's here's some interesting information. Uh, the Wrigley's gum that you bought in like a five pack. Yeah. In everyone's childhood, yeah, for the last billion years, yep, it has. Oh, let's do a game. How many individual components does that packet of gum have? Seven. Tanda. Mm. Wrong. I mean, Fourteen. <laughs> Fourteen. Oh, Tanda got it right. Tanda got uh, it right. So, has <laughs> sorbitol and guar gum and four. Well, no, I'm not even talking. No, not the gum. I'm sorry, I wasn't clear enough. I'm not talking about the gum. There are 14 components to the packaging, and many of those components are adhesives, and food-safe adhesives are governed and regulated by the FDA, as well as medical adhesives. Do you ever eat the Orbitz paper? Of course. Food-safe ink? Food-safe paper? I don't know about that. I mean, paper's safe, food-safe, I suppose, uh, just as a byproduct. Have you ever eaten construction paper? That's not food-safe. They don't wrap gum in construction paper. 
Like Tyvek? Only the good gum. <laughs> no, like like tar paper. Like roofing felt. <laughs> oh, yeah, like tar roofing oh, yeah felt. that's definitely not food safe. Yeah. But you can gnaw on it all day. It's like an everlasting you gobstopper. Uh, I don't know. I thought that I find that that kind of stuff interesting. Um, these different applications for adhesives. Uh, I had a friend that went to Dartmouth and studied adhesives, and just like you know the crazy things like wound, like like you're talking about with um, you know s- instead of using sutures, they're using glues and tapes to do these things that that then can dissolve into the body and not have to go back and get removed. Uh, my son had some of that stuff going on when he was born. That was one of the fun facts I didn't mention, Tom, is that uh, they, they sometimes will use glue in hospitals now because it actually does, it leaves less of a scar than sutures does. Mm-hmm. Totally. But I, I, I just think it's interesting, you know, we don't, us common folk don't really think about the intricacies of even a pack of gum with all those different components and all those different adhesives that go into it we just we pay the i don't know how much is wrigley's now 50 cents i feel like it follows the stamp it was 25 in 1982 yeah well that's what we were talking about you said the gum we all grew up with it said 25 cents right on the pack yeah but it's changed over the years no you should go buy a pack of wrigley's tomorrow what yes the number on the packaging has changed what no yep yeah you're pulling my leg tom nope it's changed, man. I think last time I saw it was at least thirty-five cents. Oh, it's five cents a stick. I mean, come on, that was the bargain we made. They're, they can't go back. That's like a, that's not that's not cool. <laughs> you remember the super packs? No. Oh yeah, like double. Yeah. Double mint. Double mint came in that really big pack. They had like twenty-five sticks. It was like it was like a pack of cards. It was fantastic. And did you make chains out of the uh, out of the wrappers? Fold them into gum wrapper chains. That was my rapper name, was Gum Chains. Gum Chains. <laughs> You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. So despite having several weeks of awesome deals, I've actually had no deals for several weeks because I got all those deals at the same time. I thought I was going to go into this week with zero deals, but about maybe four or five hours ago, I picked up something that was was a deal. Uh, this guy, about an hour away, was selling two Craftsman 1950s era benchtop drill presses. And they're not the same size. One was the small and one was the large. And they are massively different in size. I think there might even be a third size. Uh, however, there was a little bit of damage to the pulleys. No damage to anything else. Well, that's not true. One of the cords had the plug cut off, and it looked like the motor had been replaced from an original Craftsman to some other brand. But beyond that, everything else looked to be there. I got this for 50 bucks. Two drill presses in good condition. I mean, the pulleys I could replace. I've got replacement pulleys. But I'm actually thinking um, the, one is a, the small one has a single-speed pulley, but the other one is a four-speed pulley, and the top is damaged like it looks like somebody dropped something on it or it was tipped over or somehow or another the upper ring has a big chip missing out of it and i'm looking at that and i'm thinking you know um i think i'm just gonna turn this into a three-speed pulley and uh that's that you know i'm just gonna cut off that chip section and it's still a three-speed drill press you know but um yeah that was the deal i got and um they're still sitting in the back of the truck because i have nowhere to put them um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, what's up, Tom? I understand you got an interesting deal this week. Yeah, it's uh, not dissimilar to yours where you had to kind of take lemons and make lemonade. So maybe maybe last week, Chris Zepp from Make Everything Shop, he sends me deals on Facebook that he sees in my area. We um, He's in Long Island, I'm in Connecticut, and if you draw a circle on the map of like 50 mile radius they hit each other even though they're like 12 hours away from each other because there's no bridge across. So he sent me a deal for a lathe. It was a hundred bucks and I told the guy I'd buy it and we set up a time a few days later to go get it. And the whole time we talked a couple times to try and make a, make a, to meet up. He said it's in the basement of a barn, but the basement is ground level, but the overgrowth has like covered it up and you, 
I'm going to bring my chainsaw and get back there. And I'm already thinking the worst. And he even kind of said, he's like, I put out a hundred bucks because it might be a little bit of a hassle to get this thing out of there. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I was able to drive the minivan, back it all the way up around the backside of this barn to this side door. And in the process, my front bumper got hooked on about a one inch vine that we did not see and did not clear out of the way. And it ripped my bumper off the bottom. Oh. Uh, we, Yeah. I was able to pop it back in and... I'm probably never going to fix it any further than that, but it looks fine. I mean, it sounds like you're in the jungle, Tom. A little bit. You you, you got a vine that's attacking your your, your vehicle. Oh. I mean, this is uh, a little bit. Did you bring a machete? No, I sh- I will now. It's going in my uh, my bug out bag for picking. So I meet these two guys, and one of them they're brothers. One of them seventy, the other sixty eight. Alan and Rich, and we're going to move this lathe now. I've moved. A bunch of lathes. You know this. Mm. You go there. I go, I'll dismantle it. It's not that bad. The heaviest part's the bed. Yada, yada, yada. I could not take the tailstock off. I could not take the headstock off. I could not remove the bed from the chip pan because it was one cast piece. It was all one piece. The only thing I could take off were the two legs. Now, the two legs, one of them looked like a normal A-frame leg. The other one also looked very similar to that, except it had this massive 150-pound, I called it a tumor. Tumors aren't funny, but this one was. It, it was for the motor mount. It was, it's, it's bigger than the actual leg. I don't know how the thing stood up. So the, the three of us, we take the legs off, and we just went straight from, it was about maybe 10, 15 feet. The two of them grabbed the headstock end. I grabbed the tailstock end and put this thing right in the minivan. I'll tell you how much it weighs after. The whole time I'm like, I can't get any of this apart, which means I'm not going to be able to restore this thing. And it's not a normal lathe. It's a secondary lathe. It's like a screw, uh, like a screw machine lathe where it doesn't have a regular compound. It just has a slide in and out. And then the tur- it's got a turret stock. So it's really just for like um, screw making or whatever you want to call that. So I'm driving home and I'm realizing I need to just throw this thing away. I can't, I'm not even going to take it out of the van. I'm going to bring it straight to the scrap scrapyard the next day. And I did. I, I kept the legs at home. I kept them because I'm selling them to the blacksmith. He has something he needs to make and he's going to cut the tumor off and use them. I dumped almost 800 pounds of heavy iron at the scrapyard from this one machine and almost all of that weight was in this the bed the headstock the tailstock and the chip pan which was a quarter inch thick all cast iron so the lathe was a bust i made my money back on the legs alone i made like 75 bucks on the scrap pricing and it took me two and a half hours to get this thing now i have to go back there because i also paid him i bought a uh, a small machinist vice it's like a six inch jaw, but it's a low profile, smaller, smaller vice, which I, I did bring home. And then I also bought an Arbor Press, which looks like an upside down U. It looks like an upside down U and it's got like a three, three and a half foot handle on it with a giant counterweight on the backside. And I, I just couldn't put it in the, in the car. It, it was too much weight. I mean, that thing alone probably weighs 250, 300 pounds. So I got to go back, but I bought that for 20 bucks and I bought the machinist vice for 30 bucks. So I paid $150 and I've got half my money back already. Blacksmith is going to buy the thing for a hundred bucks and do me a favor. So I made a bad deal into a salvaged deal. I mean, the prices were right. Yeah, but three hours of work. I like to get paid 50 bucks an hour when I do this stuff. Like that's my benchmark for going to get something. And I might squeak that out if I sell the Arbor Press, which I probably will. Oh, definitely. You should sell that as a lowercase n instead of an upside down u. It'll bring twice as much. That's yeah. a great idea. Actually, it looks it looks like a lowercase h with that handle sticking straight up. So, that's that's solid advice. Tom, that stuff happens. I mean, this happened to me with uh, if you remember the Walker Turner drill press that um, I bought sight unseen that I had Matt from CMAT make pick up for me, and then when I got it, like every single part on it was busted. Like there was, there was not a single piece that was like in good condition. This had been like beaten to death. Weirdly enough, I've put several of those parts up for sale on eBay and I've sold like half of them. Like I've already made my money back. Well, 
Yeah. And and actually, uh, if you remember the um, the Walker Turner floor model drill press that I got in New Jersey, that the guy told me about the swap meet, mm -hmm. that was missing the quill lock, and it just so happened that the quill lock from the other one was the same size. Nice. So like so right there that paid for itself. But yeah, every once in a while, mm -hmm. man, we just we get these we get a lot of great deals. Right. You know, but you know we get a curveball every once in a while, and that's just how it rolls. Yeah, totally. Uh, and you know, usually it happens to me on the on the first time I'm buying something like the tractor I bought. I still need to spend hours fixing that thing. If I lose every penny, I'll I'll have gained an education on old tractors, and I'll go buy another one. Sure. And not make the same mistakes, right? I didn't make any big mistakes there, but it's work involved. This one was like I just the effort I put in with lifting this thing and. It was just a hassle. That's what bugs me more than the monetary side of it. I just, I try and avoid some of that stuff most of the time. Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in, maybe we'll read it on air. All right, it's time for personal history. Tanda, what's your personal history with sticking? Sticking. I don't know. I think I probably modeling glue was some of the first interesting glue. I mean, obviously there was paste and there was Elmer's glue, but probably the first plastic model I made, that was, that was a novel, unique glue. Do you ever put, you ever put airplane glue on your fingers and then like pull them apart really quick so that the little threads kind of floated out like smoke and yeah, yeah, that was, that was the thing to do with. That was that tester's glue that came in the metal tube that had the tip that you could, you know, you could, yeah, I remember uh -huh. that stuff. Yeah, and you poke the poke the little hole in the tip, and and it leaked all over the model box after the first time you used it, and yeah, glued things together that weren't supposed to, and yeah, but that was that was kind of a unusual glue that wasn't just Elmer's glue or you know glue that you were allowed to use in in school, and then we had rubber cement. I remember using rubber cement. I think it was something at my mom's shop. Um, that she used rubber cement for. I remember that being pretty cool. Yeah, I think everybody grows up uh, grows up around glue and glues their fingers together and glues their friends' fingers together. Well, um, I don't I don't think I've ever glued my friends' fingers together, but um, I'll, I haven't been to Tom's house yet, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, Tom, we'll make we'll make it happen. What uh, what's your personal history with? Uh, Sticking. I mean, it's there's not a lot here, is there? I had the same experience with with models growing up. That was, you know, that was a big hobby back then. I mean, we barely had TV. I can remember using wood glue as a kid. Well, my dad was using wood glue. I was just touching it when he told me not to, and 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 how it like, you know, creates a a layer on your skin, and then when it dries off, you can, like, peel it off. Or if you just rub your hands together, it just kind of starts to beat up. And I just recently did that with my six-year-old the other day. He was helping me glue something together, and I was like, just slap your hands together, start rubbing them, and it'll all come off. It's it's those tactile memories that kind of stick with you for, for life. Stick with you. But I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. How about you, PJ? So if I had to go back, like way, way back, I think around first grade, I remember there being this lumpy paste glue. And it was more like mashed potatoes that you stuck on construction paper, and then you put more construction paper on top of it. And you tried to squish the lumps out of it to make it flat, but it never quite went flat. Yeah, yeah. With the little, with the little orange spatula. Oh no, we didn't. We weren't that fancy. That was down in the glue. No, 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 no. We we had popsicle sticks. That's what you had. It was popsicle sticks or your hand. You, we didn't have any fancy spatulas. The school the school budget got voted no, got voted down a lot. Well, I, mean, I, I think I'm thinking of the paste that kind of separated and got the little lumps in it, and the lid had the little orange tab on it. Oh, it was probably Elmer's because it was orange, and then you kind of like dipped it out with the little tab and smeared it around. I'm almost positive we mixed this up ourselves, Tanda. I, this didn't come out of like a bottle. Like this was like a, a bunch of powder that you added like water to, and it clumped up because you didn't mix it right. Like like flour and flour and water paste. It was really just recycled old milk. It's just old milk from the cafeteria. 
Yeah, it's spoiled milk. That's basically what they gave us. We had spoiled milk to glue things together. And vinegar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much. That's, that's you know. And then, you know, somewhere along the line, we graduated to from the, the, the chunky paste milk thing to, like, some kind of Elmer's glue. But I don't remember where that was in the chain of things. I don't really remember gluing a lot of things. I do remember liking duct tape a lot when I was little. Duct tape, even though I didn't get a lot of it, I like that. I think the thing that um, I remember the most is, as far as sticking things together, at some point I became fiercely aware of wrapping presents. And I used to, my brother and I would have this contest of who could wrap presents with the least amount of scotch tape. And I got it down to three pieces. You do the back and then you do the, you do the bottom and then you do the two sides. And as long as it's like a normal size box, you can wrap everything with three small pieces of scotch tape. And I can see your three pieces and, and raise you two and wrap that present with just one piece. Well, if you use extra paper, you could. But if you're using the smallest amount of paper possible, then you need three. Oh, no. I was just going to put one strip of tape from one end to the other across <laughs> yeah, the bottom. It's a 10 foot. <laughs> Ten oh, foot strip no. of tape. No, it's no. one piece. It's still one piece of tape, right? You it's can't do that. You're just it's wasting one nacho. Tape. It's one. No, it's one nacho. No, no, <laughs> that's not how this works. You got it. You got it. If that's the case, you actually use like about thirty-five pieces of tape. I've know. done it. I've done it with no tape before. Oh yeah, just use paste. No, just gift card in an envelope. You lick it and no tape. It's great. <laughs> okay. Well, that's not really it. That's. That's not a present. That's that's just a card. We need to gift wrap that the whole backing of the gift wrap you can just lick and it sticks to whatever you... Hey, hey, that's a lot of licking. Well, you can make that's... it blueberry flavored or something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a kid's show. Relax. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Blueberry flavored self-adhesive wrapping paper. I would buy that. To wrap gifts or just to... just to... That's, that's the problem, though. I think I'd end up just licking everything. I don't know that I would wrap... Um, it sounds like a. You know what? It sounds like it sounds like like I'm gonna have some gift wrap wallpaper. I'm just gonna be you know, licking pieces and then just sticking it on the <laughs> you wall. And just just have a, one of those real like a really wide version of the craft tape dispensers. You know what I'm talking about? That has yeah. the water, you know, activated glue on the back. But with my tongue. But like but like gift wrap wide, and you just like <laughs> reel off the gift wrap and just like. No, nah, it needs to be like as wide as you know those strips like what that had the the. The little dots, you know, the dots candy that used to come on a strip of paper and then you like peel them off. It needs to be like that wide because I can lick that much. If it's any wider than that, I'm going to have a problem. It's going to be messy. But uh, I do remember, so beyond that, I remember my father, this was his favorite thing to do. Anytime we were making something or, or he was making something and I was watching and it was, he, he made a lot of model planes. So he would take like some balsa wood, super glue something together. It wouldn't be perfect, so then he would take a bunch of sawdust, throw the sawdust in the hole, and then super glue the sawdust, and then that would make like fill up the hole. I'm like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a thing. Yeah, you um, see a lot of guitar makers and stuff that are working with little little bits of wood and little fine stuff, dollhouses and stuff that you you see them making their own uh, sawdust and super glue putty. Right, right. Um, of course, I had like the like you two. I had the testers model glue. I made tons of those um, like robots and plane models and stuff when I was a kid because you know who who didn't? That was the thing to do. But then getting into like the the elder years, uh, I didn't actually use any wood glue until I was in my twenties, and I was married. And uh, I think I mentioned this before. I made these giant. Um, walnut and maple salad tongs that I found in a woodworking magazine and it said to use like waterproof wood glue and I had to go find waterproof wood glue I don't remember if it was type on two or what it was but uh, this is this is many moons ago Um, and then after that like after I did that like I don't think I glued anything for like the longest time because I wasn't really woodworking but now uh, today I have I found something it was very interesting. I, I was on Clubhouse talking about it. I asked a few people. They'd never heard of it. Have you guys heard of hurricane tape? Is that the like the tape that you can wrap around a pipe or whatever, and it just kind of shrinks onto the pipe and no. seals it? Nope. Nope. Hmm. No. Hurricane tape is uh, well. It's 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 a brand like it's branded. 
like as Hurricane Dave. I think the company's name was like Baldor or Burden or something around. I can't remember. It was Burroughs, something with a B. But the tape itself looks like a carbon fiber weave. And it, it, it boasts that it's the strongest tape you can buy. And I've never used it before, but it was on the dollar table at the discount store. So I'm like, I got to get two rolls. So I opened it up and I cut off about a three inch strip and I pulled it as hard as I could. I could not stretch it. And then I tried to tear it with my hands, couldn't tear it. And I'm like, and, and it didn't have any excessive residue like duct tape does. So I was like, man, this, this might actually be like the strongest tape. Is it kind of like the fiberglass reinforced tape? Does it have like little strands through it or does it just look like carbon fiber? No, it looks like white carbon fiber. Like if you, you look at it, it looks... Oh yeah, it's probably Tyvek or some kind of maybe weave like that. It looks like gauze. Yeah. It looks like gauze. It's like a, uh, a mesh something or other. But it says it can withstand a lot of outdoor, like years outdoors. It's perfectly flat, though. It's not like bumpy and rough like gauze is. It's 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 like as smooth as like normal tape. But if you look at the texture, it, it, it looks like white carbon fiber. It's that's that's the only way I could describe it. It's little like little checkered squares going in opposing 90 degree directions. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I need to buy more. But I don't even know what I would use this for. Like, I, I you know, it's 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 added to my tape addiction. Um, I already have like two tool cases full of tape. Like, you know, I, I, I need a third. Um, I didn't tell you guys, but uh, some of the stuff I got from Don, from Matt's neighbor, uh, he had like brand new old stock electrical tape and friction tape, like in the box, like from the 50s with all the cool logos and stuff. Uh-huh. And, like, I don't even really want to use it. I've got original general electric electric tape. Anyway. That's cool. I, I find it interesting that duct tape started out as duct tape. And then, and then became duct tape, and now people think that uh, you're you're mispronouncing it if you call it duct tape, even though the original tape started out being made from duck. Tana, you know that's not true. Didn't we do an episode on this? No, really. I mean, like, like not like not like not like the bird, like like canvas duck, like the material duct duct with a T. No. No, duck, duck, D-U-C-K, duck, uh, the material. That's like a that's like a canvas. That's like a canvas material. You're gonna bleep out the D, right? <laughs> You're gonna bleep the D. The duck. Duck duck tape was a brand that they started because people were mispronouncing the name. No, no, but the original tape was made from from the material called duck. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, sure. True story. Yeah. True story. Okay. I wouldn't make this stuff up. <laughs> Not on this show, no. I'm 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 serious. I'm always very. I'm a very serious person. I'm pretty sure we talked about this in an episode. We did about something. We did about how serious I am. No, no the duct tape. <laughs> the duct tape. Nobody believes Gosh. you're serious, Tanda. I don't know what you're talking about, Re- Tanda. You need to relax. God. Sidebar, Tom. Yeah, I think uh, Tanda is uh, she's very overly concerned about being taken seriously. I think there's some problems at home with the dog. I think the dog is not trusting yeah, her anymore. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, we, we might need to find her some help. I don't, I don't think she's willing to admit she's got a problem. Well, that's the first step, isn't it? Yeah. Or, or it could be the fact that she's been awake for 72 hours. That might also factor in somehow. Oh, she's back. Tom, she's back. Oh, she's back. <laughs> Roxy, I, I wouldn't tell you that if it wasn't true. Now, go, to, now, go, like, go lay down. Tanda, is the dog there with you? Um, just just uh, out of curiosity. Not Not directly. She's she's outside. <laughs> she she makes way too much noise for a podcast. Just to get back on topic, I'm a big fan of gaffer's tape. Do you guys use gaffer's tape? I love gaffer's tape. I have I bought three giant two inch rolls of gaffer's tape mm-hmm. from my discount store for like three bucks a roll. Well, jeez. I mean, like I got like you don't, need, you don't need to brag about it, dude. This these rolls, I don't know how many feet it was because it wasn't labeled. But they were like the size of, um, you know, the teacup saucers. Yeah, sure. The the little tiny plates for teacups. They're like bigger than that. They're massive. They're That's gigantic. Yeah, like this. Like I I worked in the film industry, dude. This is like a thirty dollar roll of gaffer's tape that I got for three bucks. Right. So, you know. Right. 
here we have a surplus store. I think I've Instagrammed about it a couple times. It's just shelves and shelves of old oscilloscopes and, and equipment. And last time I was there, they had a whole shelf of, like a whole row of tape. And they had those great big rolls of gaffer's tape. Cheap. That stuff doesn't go bad. Well, sucky darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial energy lubes and stuff. Hello, this is Chet at Johnson's Hardware. Are you having trouble finding glue sticks in your shop? Fear not. Johnson's has just the solution for you. Introducing Johnson's pre-honey dipped glue stick bundles of 13 glue sticks. That's right. We employ free range honey bears to gather pre-honeyed sticks and we've bundled them together for your easy use. Just peel off a stick and put it wherever you need a stick to be in your shop. We guarantee these honey sticks will stick anywhere that sticks need to be stuck. If you would like to buy your bundle of honey sticks from Johnson's hardware trademark please contact us at patreon.com forward slash maker skills pre-honey dipped glue sticks can be purchased for only $9.99 what the heck nabbit i need to get me one of them anyone know what street patreon is on i need to go all right it's time for crossbreeding tom hmm. what skill goes well with sticking woodworking no you're not wrong no. i'm not wrong and I think there is still a lot of misconception, probably not with our listeners, that uh, in woodworking, well, this is not the misconception. Glue is what holds wood together. Not nails, not screws. Glue. Glue, glue, glue. You have to glue wood together to make it stay forever. Put that on a t-shirt. I'm not going to do that, but if you feel like okay. you know putting it on a t-shirt, you, you probably could use some glue. Right. To put the... You're right. Yeah. Yeah, they they do make like t-shirt glue. Tanda? They probably do. What skill goes well with sticking? I'm going to have to say metalworking. Uh <laughs> how how does metalworking go with sticking? <laughs> oh, cuz you can stick metal down to the to the bed of your lathe or stick it to other metal. I I stick metal down on my mill quite often with painter's tape and super glue. And then I machine it, and then I heat it up with a oh. hot air gun and uh, and peel it loose. And uh, You do, mm. don't you? And these days, you know, I just bought a half-inch by six-inch bar of aluminum 12 feet long. It's, it's the hardwood of 2021, mm. roughly the mm. same price. Uh, Tana, to clarify, are you talking about putting painter's tape down on, on like, the, mach- the surface of the machine and then putting painter's tape on the part and then gluing the painter's tape together yes cool only i usually don't glue it to the bed of my mill i usually i usually have uh, a big plate on the bed of my mill or i have a plate in the vise okay that i then put the tape on and then i glue the smaller or thinner piece to it and that's strong enough like so doing that with aluminum on your mill is good enough to hold it yeah yeah, it's very strong wow. um, in shear. So laterally, the way the end mill is wanting to push it. Oh, true. Okay. It's, it's, quite, it's quite strong. And I've done, every time I think it's going to break free and I, I worry about it, and I haven't had it break free yet. So you can glue it to like the, the that flat part on a Kurt vise, like the back part? You could. Just measure it accurately so you don't mess up your vise. But usually if you measure it accurately... Painter's tape is pretty thick, so you cut just into the layers of painter's tape, and then you're good to, oh, wow. good to go. But I usually put some kind of sacrificial flat, like I have some tool sure. plates and stuff oh. that are aluminum. Even tool plate that I put underneath yeah. it that I just use as scrap. That's interesting. That's really cool. But it works really well. And welding is just sticking to metal, metal together. Especially stick welding. That's why they call it stick welding. Well, it's not called sticky welding. Is, is it? Do you use um, Honey Dip Johnson's stick welds? I'm not going there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I you know I saw somebody recently with a Mattel plastic welder on some some YouTube channel, and I had one of those when I was a kid, and it just spun a little tiny plastic rod, which caused friction, which melted it, 
and then you got these like little girders <laughs> and sheets of plastic and you could weld them together. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think we talked about this before. I, I still don't believe that exists, but that, yeah. Okay. That's fine. Mattel. Well, you'll have to, Tom can Google it. Doing it right now. Welder. While you're, while you're, te- while you're telling us what goes well with uh, sticking. The skill that goes well with sticking is packing. Like you got to use tape to pack the boxes right? Because you don't want them to fly open when you pick them up. So I'm going with packing. Tom, did you find it? Yeah, I found it. It's not real. Okay, we're moving on. Moving on. (laughs) Mattel Spin Welder toy commercial on YouTube. And the kids, whoa, are making Spin Welder race car factory kit. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, you got a dragster. You made a little dragster with, or mine, mine was. That's really cool, actually. It's real. Same with scotch tape, x-rays. Everything's real. Aliens. It's time for the dealer's tips and tricks. We haven't done a dealer's tips and tricks in quite some time, but it just so happens that I have leveled up in the junkosphere, and I have some brand new tips to tell you guys about. So this past Saturday was the townwide yard sale where I normally sell at least a couple hundred bucks worth of stuff. At least the past couple years I have. This year, I barely made any money. There was hardly anybody showed up. People that did show up didn't really buy anything. But last year, everybody bought the circular saws. So I pulled out 25 circular saws this year thinking, ah, well, this'll work. I'll put up ones that I haven't done anything to for 20 bucks which is cheap, and people can buy them. They can clean them up themselves, right? And I figured that we're just going to sell like hotcakes. Nobody bought anything. So I was frustrated. So I took a picture of all of the circular saws out together, like as a pile, and I put it up on Facebook Marketplace, and I said, circular saws, 20 bucks, mostly Black & Decker. Within hours, I had like five different guys that all wanted circular saws. They're like, how much for all of them? So what this told me is, while individually trying to sell a, a saw like that may or may not work, if you put a bunch of things up, if you bundle some of mm. the same thing, you attract a different class of buyer, which is something that I've never experienced before. However, this was doubly reinforced with the next thing that I learned in the same week. So if you remember some weeks or months back, I purchased a bunch of tools from a guy that had an add up that said tools that don't work. And in that bundle, there was a bunch of Makita angle grinders. Well, I'd opened up two of the angle grinders and cleaned them up and put them back together and they still didn't work. And it looked to me like um, there was rust on the inside. There was some sort of water damage. That's my guess, but I really don't know. All I know is they don't work. And I didn't feel like opening up the other two and going through all the trouble of finding out that they didn't work after I cleaned them up as well. So I was talking to Ben over Ben Makes KC, telling him what was happening. And I'm like, you know what, man? I'm just going to bundle these all together and put them on Facebook Marketplace as angle grinders that don't work. And I'm going to sell them cheap. And I put them up for 25 bucks. There's four of them. It says in big, bold letters, not working. And instantly, I had five guys that all wanted it, right? So, and they're already sold. It wasn't even up 24 hours. They're, they're sold. They're gone. Some guy in California bought them. I got to ship them to him. So these are these are like, if you bundle some of the same thing together, apparently um, it's sell quicker. That is interesting. I never really thought to do it. Or someone's out there going, oh man, I'm going to help this guy out. He's got all of these uh, angle grinders and it says he's not working. That's probably what it <laughs> yeah. was, yeah. It's 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 actually the people that are interested in that are all producers on the show Hoarders and they're just looking for new clients. <laughs> or they're, they're decorators. They're decorators for the next generation of, uh, of Applebee's. When, when we're like 90 years old... The memorabilia that will be hanging up on the wall will be like corded angle grinders. <laughs> it's going to be at the same place that uh, Tom's Tie Guys, the, they, they buy all the old tools. They're just going to be like, there's going to be like mills hanging from the ceiling 
You're like, oh, I don't want the mill table. Can I get the drill press table? I don't trust those chains. Yeah. Did you guys have any tips you wanted to add? I think I would just add that, you know, don't be afraid to just say, hey, are you selling that? Or or I can take that off your hands or whatever. Even if you don't feel there's any chance and you just say it jokingly or, you know, just make an offer. Because you never know when somebody might want to get rid of something or sell something. I just moved this giant surface grinder that was a donation to the makerspace. And I offhandedly one day said, if we go an, if we go another year without ever hooking that up, I'll just take I'll take it to my shop. And they made all the arrangements to shuffle the paperwork. And I was running a nonprofit at the time, so they transferred it to my my nonprofit, which transferred it to me and so on. So it was a bunch of paper shuffling, but was otherwise free to me. And so yeah. Yeah. never hurts to ask. So the, I think the lesson here is have Tanda ask for things and then it, uh, she'll get them. I got another deal this week and I'm going to keep it really short, but I went on a Sunday afternoon, like two thirty, three o'clock to a garage sale down the road from me. And that is the best time to go because everything is free. My kid put two boxes of like kid in the car that were completely free. I got... I got a couple little household things, okay? But the coolest thing is the guy was like, you seem like the kind of guy that might do some camping with your kids, like backyard camping or whatever. I was like, sure. He goes, I got a gift. Uh, I think it was for his retirement as a American history teacher. He ha- he gave me, he, couldn't, he didn't want to sell it to me. He gave me a replica Revolutionary War officer's tent. It's all canvas. And I put water on it, and it's actually like the water beads up, so there must be some treatment to it. Probably wax. And some wooden sticks that go with it. I've no, I don't even know what the thing is supposed to look like, but I'll, I'll roll that thing out one day and figure it out. But go to garage sales Sunday after 2, and you'll just get free stuff. Except mine. Except PJs. You have to wait till the next day to buy bulk on all the he didn't sell. Yes. Come back next time. Maybe we'll have some more for you. All right. It's time for short and sweet. Tanda, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up the show? I'm tired. <laughs> I should I should sleep more. Tanda's tired. I don't I don't I don't have any I don't have any final uh, final thoughts on sticking things. But uh, yeah, if you haven't if you haven't ever tried it, try the painter's tape trick on on machining something. It it's surprising. It works surprisingly well. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google uh, super glue and painter's tape trick. I got something. While I was looking up my gum, you know, the Wrigley's thing, mm-hmm. uh, I came across an Etsy listing, which you might find interesting. But for $5.50 and up, you can buy chewed up bubble gum. And it's not the only listing. There are dozens and dozens of listings on Etsy for chewed bubble gum. I have so many questions that I don't want to ask. That's probably best. That'll be the ne- that'll be the next big thing. It'll be like a celebrity chewed gum with an NFT attached. With an NFT, I've seen that. They have. There's a collection of celebrity chewed gum. All right, PJ, you got anything? Because I'm gonna Google celebrity chewed gum. Um, I love how you brought this up right when I was biting into my coconut macaroon. That was that was the <laughs> perfect timing. I'm going to bring up the fact that both of the things I, I said, the circular saws and the grinders, both of the first people that said they were going to buy it, uh, one guy showed up, wanted all 30 circular saws, showed up an hour late, and showed up without money. He didn't leave with any circular saws. <laughs> the other guy that wanted the angle grinders, the first guy, was supposed to be here at five o'clock, said he was gonna be late. I texted him, he didn't respond. He literally asked me when we started recording if he could come and get the ankle grinders. And I said, no, they're sold. So if you want a deal, not only do you have to be first, but you gotta show up and you gotta communicate. Remember that kids. Oh, one more thing. I wasn't gonna say this, but I'm I'm feeling a little salty. So the guy, I have a lot of people of Latin descent that buy tools for me because they're hardworking people and I love them. This guy that came to buy the saws, 
was Dominican and he was buying them for his buddy that was in the Dominican Republic. And I'm like, cool, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, the reason he didn't have any money was because his friend in the Dominican Republic was supposed to do a wire transfer and his friend was lazy. So we're negotiating and I said, how much money is your friend sending you? And he's like 600 bucks. And I said, okay, well, that's the 30 saws. And he's like, well, I was, I was hoping you're gonna give me a discount. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll give you two saws for free, okay? So you get 32 saws. He goes, well, I was, I was kind of hoping you're gonna give me a better discount than that. And I said, look, dude, you showed up an hour late. You didn't communicate with me. You showed up with no money. I feel a little disrespected here. You want a better deal? You gotta show up on time with cash. You understand what I'm saying? He goes, okay, 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 I, I understand. You're right, I understand. I said, so this is the deal. And that was it. Like, he's like, okay, I'll be back with money. And then he, he never came back because his friend never sent him the money. So I'm giving him one more day of grace and then that's it, I'm selling it to somebody else. But yeah, that's, that's like, that's the people that show up. That's all I got to say. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time. Hey, boys and girls. It's time to name some stuff in the naming segment. <laughs> All right, folks, we've got a new segment for you today. Calling the naming segment, unless we can come up with some other better name. Can we think of a better name than the naming segment? I think that's the point of the segment. That is the point. This is where we talk about something that has a name that we don't particularly care for. Tanda has a very strong opinion about something. Why don't you bring us in, Tanda? Well, I just don't think bandsaws should be called bandsaws because I don't buy a band for my bandsaw. I, I, I buy a new blade for my bandsaw. It doesn't say bandsaw band when I buy it. It says bandsaw blade. So it should be called a blade saw or something else. I think blade saw is appropriate. I think that makes a lot of sense. She's making a lot of sense, PJ. Yeah, but I think if you get a blade anywhere else, it's it's not in a circle, you know? Like, it's not a loop. It's, you, you know, you get like a straight blade, like a knife. Or you get like a circular saw blade, which is, again, flat. It's round, but it's not a circle. Well, that'd be, that'd be a better name because at least the blades are circular. Then maybe it should be called an oval saw blade. An oval saw. Hmm. What about a hoop, a hoop saw? I mean, when you're, when you're using them, they're kind of oval. Hoop saw? Yeah. Or a belt. I'm sorry, what's oval about it? Well, when it's on the bandsaw, it's kind of in an oval. Oh. I mean, if it's just loose on the floor, it's... Usually a circle, and unless you kink it. Well, it's not an oval. That's a uh, that's pill shaped. But then, if it was called an oval saw, would that make the wheels ovaries? Probably, yeah, ovaries and underies, because you've got one on the top and one on the bottom. Mm, mm. What the f is happening? I think Tom is getting attacked by spirits. I don't know something's yeah. happening behind him there. I mean, it could be called a belt saw, but that might be confusing because you have to buy belts for your band saw as well. And so if you had to buy belts for your belt saw, you wouldn't know if it drove the, the wheels or the motor or cut whatever you were cutting with it. That, that would be confusing. So we should probably eliminate belt saw. Well, there's also belt-driven tools. So if, if there was a belt saw, I think that would also be confusing for the belt-driven tools because maybe they think it's a tool to, to cut the belts for other tools. Oh, that's true. I usually cut belts on, on what people usually call a bandsaw. But I think I'm going to start calling it a blade saw or maybe an oval saw. Mm. It's good for cutting leather belts. Well, what if we could come up with a name that had nothing to do with the blade? Like just a cool name for the tool. Seesaw is taken. <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you see all the saws you use. Well, yeah, but they're kind of shaped like a big C. 
So a seesaw would be a good name for it. Well, those little tabletop ones are shaped like a misshapen C. But I'm talking about like the you know the 14 inchers are, are not really C shaped. Mm, kind of D shaped. Mm, they're like pill shaped. Pillsaw. Pillsaw. Pils- I don't know if a pillsaw works. Pilsa. The pilsa. Pils. No. No, it's not working. It's not working. I th- we need something that's that's like, you know, like when you brand something with a name that actually doesn't mean anything to what the actual thing is. Like basically like all the drug companies that are making up names for stuff that nobody wants to take. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When we when I was growing up, we branded our cows with uh, just just initials. Right. You couldn't even you couldn't even read it. It just said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It made no that- sense at all. It wasn't even a word. Hmm. But it was good branding. A branding saw? No, that's not that's not doing it. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there could be a more clever name. A bicycle saw? Pump's flipping us off. I'm not sure why. He's very unhappy. Tandit, can you think of a product where the product name has nothing to do with the product? Like, I mean, Tootsie Roll is a roll. I mean, it is it is a roll, but what's a Tootsie? Other than like a cute movie from the eighties, it's it's not really it doesn't really describe the candy. You know, I mean, like, what about a Twinkie? Yeah, like a Twinkie doesn't mean anything. Like, if you the the food you get is not like there is no such like Twinkie thing. It doesn't like if you didn't know any better, you'd be like, oh, it's yellow sponge cake. Huh. Well, yeah. So I see where you're going. Maybe we call it a Twinker Twinker saw. Something like that. Yeah. Like some. Can we come up with a name that sounds cool that no one has used? You know, like okay, like Delta has like the Unisaw. Oh yeah, we should I call mean, it like the Fleiselberg. Well, that something I don't know. It's like I mean, like Unisaw is kind of like yeah, it's one saw, but it sounds like something else. You know, like well, a lot of people, if they could only have one saw, would have a bandsaw. Maybe a bandsaw, but should be called a Unisaw, a Uniban, Uni. Yeah, maybe a Monosaw. Monosaw. Hmm. What's another name for one? Uno. The Uno saw. Premier. Unosaurus. I'm striking out here. This might have been a mistake to have this segment. I don't know. It's, it's a, we're, we're not really good at naming things, apparently. I, I can't join in. <laughs> sure you can. I thought we'd be way better at this. Tanda, if you had to describe the way that a bandsaw cuts, what would be your descriptors? Mm, how about the Infinisaw? Because the blade just keeps coming Ooh. i don't know where it comes from but it just keeps coming down out of that little hole that's not bad like forever and ever it's like the infinisaw hmm. infiniblade it's revolutionary my infiniblade i don't know where it comes from but i think at altitudes really high altitudes um it it distorts the teeth or they get too hot or something because the ones that come down like i just cut through like 15 or 20 inches two times like 30 or 40 inches of half-inch aluminum. And, and the teeth that came from, from wherever they come from, after a while, the, the ones that were coming were, were kind of nubby. And so... I... Tanda, what the <laughs> are you talking about? I'm talking about my Infinisaw. God, talking about cutting aluminum with my Infinisaw and, and the infinite blade that just wherever it comes from after a while whatever wherever it comes from is gets gets weaker and weenier what is your blade coming from another dimension of outer space i don't understand what's happening here rabbit hole in finisaw i i don't know i i haven't i haven't opened it up to look i just uh, it just keeps coming out of that little little there's a little slot up above where you cut and blade just keeps coming out of that you turn it on and it just never stops coming out of that you know that it's inside the machine, right? It's just going in a loop. It's it's going in. A, it's a trick. Yeah, it's a visual trick. It's just going in a circle. It's jeez. You've never opened that machine, have you? Man, I think it should be called a dupe saw. It's bound to have duped some other people. It can't just be me. It sounds Polish. I mean, I wish uh, if we could get Peter on here from uh, Petrie's Woodshop Workshop. I, I think he could probably tell us that because, you know, a dupa is, uh, that means your butt in Polish. So I'm pretty sure a butt saw. Well, you know, that's how I feel right now, that I know that the blade is a trick. 
that's all just wadded up inside there. You know, I'm trying to remember now if I've actually seen a Polish bandsaw. I think that there is a company from Poland that makes a giant bandsaw, like older, like back in the day. But um, but anyway, um, I think that uh, this this segment is probably burned to the ground by now. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to do it again because we obviously don't know what we're talking about. But I'd like to thank you all for joining the inaugural and final um version of this segment which i will apparently have to make an intro and outro for because one doesn't exist currently (laughs) and um tom has unfortunately been unable to join in because uh he has uh some well let's just let's just call it what it is godzilla is loose in his shop right now making a ton of noise he can't talk over the noise so uh tend and i have been covering for him uh, he's called in the military. They're on the way, and hopefully um, his house won't get destroyed, but it probably will in the process. He will be back next week with a story about how he just made some giant lizard skin sandals. Oh my goodness! Those names were something else! Did you play along at home? I bet you did! <laughs>